Are you stuck in a rat race of schedules, to-do lists, and other people's priorities? Maybe you can't even remember when the last time you felt fully engaged with your body, your mind, and your surroundings. If this resonates with you, then you are in the right place. I am Susan Sanders, and I'm here to teach you about sustainable productivity. Each week, I'll be coming to your ears with lessons to create a life that you can fully engage with. Some weeks will be bite-sized moments of inspiration and sharing. Other weeks will include guests and more in-depth looks at doing the right things in a way that you can maintain over time. Let's get started. Welcome to the Sustainable Productivity Podcast. I am your host, Susan Sanders. Today, we're talking about self-comfort and self-soothing. Before we get into that topic, we want to start with this week's SPM, Sustainable Productivity Moment. If you've been listening since day one, you know this segment has changed names a few times. It's all part of dialing into what is in alignment with the purpose of this podcast, and I appreciate your patience and humor. The intention of this SPM segment is to highlight something that is making life sustainably productive. The goal is to highlight small things or adjustments that create a life we don't feel like running away from. Today's SPM is changing the name of this segment. Super meta, right? I want you to see someone, especially a woman, change her mind and live to tell the tale. You don't need to keep going in an exercise class that you hate or having happy hour with people who drain you or reading a book that doesn't work for you. It is okay to change your mind. Now on to today's topic. When does self-care become self-soothing? The phrase self-care seems to have morphed into a catchphrase and punchline these days. Is it a glass or a bottle of wine after a tough day? Is that really self-care? Are you really taking good care of your colleagues by bringing a couple dozen donuts to the office? How is it self-care to spend a holiday with your family knowing you have to spend two weeks holed up to recover from it? Part of the distinction between self-soothing and self-care is that self-care allows you the space to be uncomfortable. I will even go so far as to suggest it forces you into choosing to sit in pain and discomfort. Let me give you an example. I was laid off from my job during COVID. I knew the layoff was coming and had been job searching. I had three rounds of interviews with two different companies. Although I was sad my job was ending, I was also confident that I would get one of the two I was interviewing for. I was so bold as to start a mental pro-con list of which one I would choose when I was offered both. So you see what's coming, right? One Friday afternoon, I got turned down for both jobs. I had never not gotten a job I had interviewed for not in the 46 years I had been alive at that point, until that Friday when I lost both within an hour. My first instinct was to jump on all of the job boards and apply for everything in a panic. My second instinct was to eat a whole box of Thin Mint cookies. Both of these fall squarely into the category of self-soothing. Taking action and or covering my fear with sugar are often my go-to strategies when I am fearful. Luckily, I've learned that my first instinct in these situations is often wrong. Instead, I opted for self-care, 
to sit in my discomfort for a bit. I hopped on a call with a circle of women I trust to talk it through and listen to their wisdom. Full disclosure, I did eat six cookies while on that call. I am not perfect. This morning, as I sit here recording this, I am wiped out. It's the end of July, and I spent half of this month traveling. I don't sleep well when I'm away from home anymore, so I'm sleep-deprived. This past weekend, we moved our oldest into her own apartment, so I'm physically and emotionally tired. It was one thing when she moved into her dorm, but this is a different level of empty nesting. We're rearranging two bedrooms and my office since Anna took her furniture with her. This means we're shampooing the carpets with the furniture out, which means unloading everything from each of the rooms. My environment is also not a restful place. Y'all, I am spent. And it's a Monday morning with an intense week of my day job coming. So, of course, this is the day I've scheduled to record a podcast about self-soothing and self-care. It's comical how the universe reminds us of what we need. And the universe is often not subtle. The messages are there if we get quiet. I truly believe these messages are the reward for getting quiet and not numbing out. If I would have just jumped into action or cookies when I lost my job, I would have missed the message. I could have ignored the schedule and skipped ahead to this week's topic to avoid talking about self-care and its more fun cousin self-soothing. But that seems disingenuous. I want this podcast and everything I do at Sustainable Sue to be transparent and realistic, which means sharing my insides as well as my outsides. I want to walk the proverbial walk and let you know when I'm not killing it and what strategies I use to right the ship in whatever timeline that takes. I want to share encouragement to feel the fear, the loneliness, the vulnerability. This is not an intuitive thing for most of us in today's world. We want to not feel the negative feelings. People tell us to snap out of it or cheer up. But what if? What if I sat with the fear that I had about being unemployed? What if I just let myself feel lonely and rejected? What if I cried and howled at how afraid I was, how helpless I felt with college tuition bill pending? If we continually soothe ourselves into not feeling our feelings, we muffle the messages the universe is trying to send our way. Let's take care of the feelings instead of just smoothing over them. This break is brought to you by you. Thank you for hitting play on this episode. I know you have so many choices of podcasts and I appreciate you listening to this one. If you like what you're hearing, please subscribe, share, and leave a five-star review. The more you share the messages about sustainable productivity, the more we can create a world where we are all more engaged in our lives. Now back to the show. I want to dial into some specific examples to help clarify the difference between self-care and self-soothing. Let's start with the definitions from our good friend Webster. Self-care is defined as care for oneself. That seems obvious. Thanks a lot, Webster. Self-soothing, it's not even in the dictionary. When I look up the word soothing, it is defined as having a sedative effect. Interesting, right? Do we really want to sedate or numb ourselves when things get hard? Why is that our default response? 
Here is what these differences could look like. Self-care is a long-term way to manage stress and anxiety, while self-soothing techniques provide immediate relief after stressful situations. To paraphrase here, long-term solution versus short-term fix. Here are some unhealthy ways self-soothing might show up. Shopping, alcohol or other drugs, emotional eating or controlling eating, spending excessive time at work, using band-aid tactics to fix relationship problems, avoidance of conflict. The idea of band-aid tactics is the key message here. Short-term fixes. That's self-soothing. On the other side, the long-term solution side of the equation, here are 10 self-care ideas the National Institutes of Mental Health offers. First, get regular exercise. Just 30 minutes of walking every day can help boost your mood or improve your health. Small amounts of exercise add up, so don't be discouraged if you can't do 30 minutes at one time. Next, eat healthy regular meals and stay hydrated. A balanced diet and plenty of water can improve your energy and focus throughout the day. Also, limiting caffeinated beverages such as soft drinks or coffee can help. Make sleep a priority. Stick to a schedule and make sure you're getting enough sleep. Blue light from devices or screens can make it harder to fall asleep, so reduce blue light exposure from your phone or computer before bedtime. Next, try a relaxing activity. Explore relaxation or wellness programs or apps, which may incorporate meditation, muscle relaxation, or breathing exercises. Schedule regular times for these and other healthy activities you enjoy, such as journaling. Next, set goals and priorities. Decide what must get done now and what can wait. Learn to say no to new tasks if you start to feel like you're taking on too much. Try to be mindful of what you have accomplished at the end of the day, not what you have been unable to do. Practice gratitude. Remind yourself daily of the things that you're grateful for. Be specific. Write them down at night or replay them in your mind. Number nine, focus on positivity. Identify and challenge your negative and unhelpful thoughts. And last, stay connected. Reach out to friends and family who can provide emotional support and practical help. You can see where all these ideas of self-care are longer-term activities, right? But not all self-soothing techniques are wholly negative, just like self-care is not always the best choice for the situation. Please hear this. Self-soothing is not always the wrong response. Self-soothing skills are activities that are comforting and provide relief from stress or pain. It helps pass the time without making things worse. One differentiation I make in my mind to help tease apart the ideas of self-care and self-soothing is this. Self-care helps me work through something. Self-soothing helps me work around something. An analogy a counselor has used with me is wound management. We know we need to clean out a wound before covering it, but sometimes that cleaning out is so, so painful. Any cyclist who has wrecked knows this. Road rash is debrided before it's covered. This is basically scrubbing the pebbles, dirt, and, well, road, basically, out of your body. This is also done with burns, the scrubbing, the debridement before being covered to heal. It hurts. It hurts a lot, but it's necessary for a clean healing site. 
Same with our emotional wounds. We cannot just apply ice cream to our resentment and call it done. Believe me, I've tried. We need to work through that resentment to allow it to heal properly. And that work can be hard, messy, and heavy. Based on that, I want to offer a few suggestions to ask yourself when you are feeling hijacked, flooded, or generally burned out. This will help you decide if you need self-care or self-soothing. The first question is, is this the place to process this? Bottom line, y'all, work is not the place to process your feelings. No matter how much your boss says you are like family, you are being paid to be there and need to process your feelings elsewhere. What this means is that you might need self-soothing to get you through the workday. Then you can take time to feel hurt feelings or anger with a person away from the office who can work through it with you. This does not mean that you won't return to work to address a boundary violation or something like that. But the job site is not the place to process the self-care piece of it. Other places that are not ideal, in the middle of Target or on your cell phone at the airport, these are just too public. You deserve a private space to process, and the people around you deserve the respect of not having to have the process forced on them. On to the next question to ask yourself. Number two, is this the time to process this? Self-care is not a quick fix, but self-soothing can be. A fun time for conflict to come up between couples is as they're getting ready to walk out the door. Maybe this has happened to you. Someone's running behind or someone else feels like she always does everything to get the kids to the car or maybe someone misunderstood part of the evening directions about getting out the door. You know, the, uh uh-oh, is this not a jeans wearing event? Before you know it, conflict arises, always and nevers are thrown around and you pack resentment in your purse for the night. Self-care is to work through your side of the street on the issue as well as to work it out with the other person. But the five-minute drive to the venue is not necessarily the time to have that working through session. That might be the time to have the silence in the car so you can take a few deep breaths or just acknowledge the tension and agree to address it later. You just need to work around it for right now. The last question can be used with yourself or with a person you're in conflict with, and it is this. Number three question, What is the real issue? This question is often raised between couples. You are fighting because one person decides they always empty the dishwasher. The other person denies that and lists the dates that they have emptied the dishwasher and counters that it doesn't matter because there's no way you've taken out the trash cans to the street ever in your life. Stop. Just throw the stick in the proverbial spinning wheel. What is the real issue? Seems like in this example, each person is feeling like she does it all. That is the real issue. They feel overwhelmed. Instead of offering what the other person is not doing in your perception, listen to the unspoken ask for help. Same with issues within yourself. If we return to the example of my current fatigue, The issue is not that I spent a day moving furniture and boxes up and down stairs on a 95 degree North Carolina summer day. 
or that I did it after 18-hour workdays all week while I traveled to Boston. When I ask myself what the real issue is, the answer is that I expect to not be tired after doing tiring things. That just doesn't make any sense. That somewhere has to be in the definition of insanity, right? Despite the voices in my head through my teens, 20s, and 30s, I am indeed only human. It is natural that I would respond in a human way. What this looked like for me was a large M&M blizzard on the way home from the move, canceling plans I had for the day after, and staying focused on the one task in front of me today at work. If you recall my SPM from episode 23, this was the plan I had for re-entry, plan to do less. I have to be a little more aggressive with it now because I'm more tired, but the concept is the same. A small dose of self-soothing with that Eminem blizzard, followed by self-care in the form of aggressive rest. I want to hear how these ideas are landing for you. Does this seem like too tall of an order to loosen the grip on your self-soothing? What self-care activities do you have in your pocket for when you need them? Let's talk about it at the show notes at sustainablesue.com 26. I want to leave you with a quote that came across my email in the days I was working on this episode. This is from Eleanor Brown. The quote is this, self-care is not selfish. You cannot serve from an empty vessel. Until we meet next week, remember to fill your vessel with productive results in a way that you can sustain and that are productive for you. Thank you for listening. You have just listened to the Sustainable Productivity Podcast. If you liked what you heard, you might like what you read. Come to SustainableSue.com to read more and subscribe to have the weekly message sent to your inbox. You can also get show notes, including links to things discussed in the episode there, SustainableSue.com. Consider sharing this episode with a friend. The more you share the message about sustainable productivity, the more we can create a world where we are all more engaged in our lives. Keep going, friends. As Devin Durant says, small efforts sustained over time can produce significant results. Have a good week.